Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. This is Be Easy from Motivational Moment, and I just want to take a quick opportunity to let you know all about Anchor and how it can give you the opportunity to make the podcast that you want to make. Number one, it's free. Two, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You also can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Peace. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Motivational Moment. I'm your host, Be Easy. And this is basically a redo of the episode I posted about two days ago. Basically a redo of part one of my story. And the music was too loud, so I apologize. I try to keep the music in the background from now on so you all can pay attention to you know what I'm, what I'm talking about, what I'm speaking about. <clears throat> So let's kick it off. I just want to say I hope you're all are having a great day. I hope you're all are having an amazing day. I hope you're healthy, you're hydrated, your family is well, and you're living in the moment and not taking anything for granted. So here we go. My story is one that is filled with both pleasure, pain, happiness, Sadness, sorrow, uh, defeat, victory, and all of the above. The reason why I decided to make my story and bring it onto my podcast is so that way the listeners can basically get a feel for who I am and why I'm doing this. And it's not just a facade, it's not nothing fake, it's all real. I'm a very motivational person. I wasn't always this way. It took the things that I went through and the things that I've been through and the things that I've overcame to get to this level. I believe in keeping it real with everybody because that's the way I expect people to be with me. I'm going to give you the utmost respect, even if I don't know you. Some of my background isn't the best. Some of it isn't the greatest. But it's made me who I am today. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful for it. So let's begin. I was raised in Chicago, Illinois. To my parents, the beautiful, lovely Judy Lopez. And the strong, wise, confident Meshach Davis Jr., I was born at White's Hospital, which is off of Clarendon. And I want to say until I was about three or four, no, maybe four or five, I'm sorry. My mom and my dad were together, my biological dad. I really don't remember much from that time. I just remember my dad up and leaving one day. Um, And it was just me and my mom at the time. Eventually, my mother started dating 
another gentleman who wound up being my stepfather and the father to my little sister. Uh, my childhood at the time wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. You know, my mom and my stepfather always found a way to make ends meet. We always had food. We always had shelter, except for the times where we had to live in a hotel. And we had to basically sometimes live in shelters and things of that nature, but we were always together. As I got older and I started growing more, I started realizing I had a talent and a love for the game of basketball. You know, being in my household with my mom and my stepdad and my little sister, there wasn't a lot that I could do because I had to watch my little sister almost every day. I had to do that because my mother and my stepfather, they had issues as far as with drug use and things of that nature. But if you seen my mom, you wouldn't think she had an issue. My mother was very gorgeous. I mean, my mother was beautiful. Uh, no, my stepdad, not so much, <laughs> but Hey, you know, he's my stepfather, so I respected him because, again, you know, my mom was in love with the man, and at the time, he was the father figure in my life. So every now and then, I sneak away to this park that was across the street called Schreiber, Schreiber Park. I never forget it. And I just play ball. I just shoot, just shoot, 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 shoot. I had to do it real fast because I had to hurry up and get home because whenever I went to the park, Everybody in the house was asleep. And I made sure I had to make it back in time before my little sister woke up. But for those few minutes that I was playing ball, I was free. I didn't have a care in the world. As I got older, I started to get taller. I started to grow at a rapid rate. And my mom, you know, unfortunately she couldn't take care of me and everybody else in the house. So it went from me only seeing my biological father on the weekends to basically moving with him to a neighborhood called Uptown, which was about maybe 25, 25 minutes away on a bus, about an hour walk. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, when when I made that move, it was just a, it was a whole eye opener because I moved from my mom and my stepdad and my little sister to living with my dad, my stepmom my oldest sister and my stepbrother. And again, I, it was a total 360. I had everything. Like my dad was, you know, he was a hard worker. But sometimes he got so caught up in his work that he really couldn't see a talent that his son had. So the neighborhood, I, when I moved to Uptown, again, that's when I started really playing ball like crazy. I mean, every day, every single day I was playing ball sun up to sundown on the weekends. Um, the days I had school, as soon as I get done with school, I play ball at school during recess. When I got out of school, I played ball again until it was time for me to go home. I had a curfew at about, until about 6.30, which was cool. Again, grade school, middle school, it isn't really bad. Uh, I started seeing my mom almost every other day at my grandmother's house. My grandmother lived off of, she lived off of a street called Sheridan. And, you know, the bus used to drop me off, like, literally right up the street from my house. So I'd get off, go to her apartment. My mom would probably be there 
I tried to catch her. If I couldn't catch her, my mom would always leave me a note with like $20 in it. At the time, $20 was, was decent. You could do a lot with that. Um, again, you know, I was constantly growing, constantly falling in love with the game of basketball. Eventually, I ended up meeting a group of guys who became my, you know, my really close friends. And we ended up going to the same middle school, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. <clears throat> and it was it was just like poetry in motion. I mean, we we trained hard, we worked out hard. You know, we were a middle school team, but we trained like a high school, like a, like a high school varsity team. Uh, great coach, David Taylor, we called him Tone. Very, very inspirational person, very motivational dude. Um, always wanted to see the best from his players, both on the court and off the court. And again, you know, something was just coming out of me. I started growing again, you know, I grew from like five nine in sixth grade to six three by eighth grade, and I've been the same height ever since. <laughs> but at the time, you know, when you're in middle school and you're that tall, people are looking at you like you're six eight. So we basically, we, our neighborhood was a bad neighborhood, but at the same time, it was home, and people knew who we were. And I actually I loved that feeling because I was so shy, I was quiet when I was younger, and. You know, playing the, playing the game of basketball took me so many places, brought me out of my shell. And I started realizing, like, I can do something with this, with the talent I have. Um, but it's funny sometimes what life throws at you. Uh, you know, you never think about certain things or certain situations, how they would play out. And you tend to take things for granted. And I did that a lot when I was younger. After my eighth grade year, we had won two city championships. We won the city championship in seventh grade and eighth grade. Going into high school, coming to find out me and my teammate Tremel were both the number one and number two eighth graders in the whole city of Chicago, which was amazing for me. Because I mean, like <laughs> coming from where I came from to being one of the top players in the city of Chicago was, was amazing. Going into high school, had a lot of buzz. The high school I went to, I really didn't want to go to. My father made me go there because they had a good academic program. You know, it wasn't just about basketball for him. But for me, it was. I was like, yo, I'm not, no, I'm not doing no, no school. I hate school. The only reason I go to school because it allows me to play ball. But still had to make the grades. And not just slack, but make good grades so I can excel you know, in the classroom and out the classroom also. So, you know, college choices and things of that nature, ACT, SAT, all that good stuff. I ended up playing junior varsity. I want to say, man, I played like four games of JV until I got moved up to varsity as a freshman. That's a big deal when you're a freshman and you move up to varsity because nothing really was just juniors and seniors. Uh, and then I started. I was in the starting five as a freshman which was crazy. Uh, my confidence was at an all-time high. You know, me and my dad were, were clicking. My mom was so proud of me because almost every other game, I'd be in the Chicago Sun-Times papers. In the back, they put like a column with all the sports in the city, and he broke it down by division. And you'd see my name, and my mom would cut every clip. Uh, it was It was an amazing feeling.
so my freshman year passes, you know, I'm doing good in class. I'm playing AAU ball as well. I'm starting to get known on a national level. So my sophomore year again, come back with buzz plus more, you know. At the time, you know, my coach, me and my high school coach never really saw eye to eye because he was the type of coach that wanted you to kiss his ass. And I just was never built like that. Don't get me wrong. I, I respect everybody. I was very respectful when I was younger, but also n- learned from my dad. I'm not going to kiss nobody's ass. This is not going to happen. It took my middle school coach coming on board and being the assistant coach, one of the assistant coaches, to start talking to me, keep me in the game, you know, keep my head going, keep me focused, keep me level. And again, you know, I went from averaging. I think my my freshman year when I played varsity, I went from averaging what 14, 14, 6 and 6 to my sophomore year, I moved up to averaging 18, 18, 9 and 9. No, 18, 9 and 6. Uh, 6 being assists. I really was just focused on scoring. I didn't care about passing the ball. <laughs> but it got me down the line, it got me to where I was trying to get to. Sophomore year is going good, really, really good. You know, uh, my mom is having some health scares, whatever the case may be. Nobody's really worried about it. I wasn't worried about it. I knew she was going to be strong. Um, Same thing with my dad. My father had a stroke and a seizure in one night, and he survived. So that, you know, my sophomore year went by real quick again. It's basketball, 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 basketball. Um, Going into my junior year, uh, again, it was getting hectic. I was getting mail from school, letters. I mean, Stanford, Seton Hall, Michigan State, uh, Wichita State, you know, uh, Chaminade, Pepperdine, schools like this, Long Beach State. And it was crazy because I was like, yo, this is, it can't be real. Like, it was a dream. You know, my dad has 10 kids. I'm the youngest of 10 on my dad's side. I'm the oldest of three on my mom's side. I was the only one to eventually go to college out of my dad, you know, basically on my dad's side and my mom's side too. But it was getting real. I had to start focusing on the ACT. Do I take the SAT? You know, got to make sure my classes are good. Got to make sure things are going like I need them to go. Uh, but sometimes the universe throws you cards that you don't know if you want to keep or if you want to fold. Um, going towards like the middle of my junior year, um, not even the middle. I want to say the beginning of my junior year. It was December, um, and back home in Chicago, we have a place called McCormick Place. It's like a huge convention center. So during when it breaks, they have a thing. Well, during the holidays, they have a thing called Holiday Hoops, which is a three-on-three basketball tournament. So, you know, we was on break. We didn't have no games or nothing like that at all. So two of my friends from school was like, yo, you know, we're going to play with us. It was just three of us. And I'm geek. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, so I go to the tournament or whatever. And I got money for Christmas from my dad. Started when I was like 11 years old. You know, I got crazy money for my dad for Christmas. 
So I, what I would do, I would, I would get me some sneakers, some clothes, but I spend it on my mom mainly. Take her to breakfast, dinner, lunch, something like that. You know, spend it basically on my mom, most of it on my mother. Going to the championship, you know, me and my team make it to the finals, whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, I call, I call my abuela, call her house, see if my mom is there, let her know, hey, I'm on my way, I'm coming. And, you know, it goes, uh, the call doesn't go like I thought it was going to go. You know, my grandmother is like, you know, where you at, you know, um, how soon can you get here? You know, I'm like, you know, well, I'm I'm stuck. Like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. You know, she's crying. She puts my uncle on the phone. My uncle Louis. My uncle Louis is like, you know, he's like, Papa, where you at? I'm like, I'm at my my basketball tournament. I told y'all. He's like, you need to get here as soon as you can. And at this time, I'm getting mad because I'm like, yo, where's my mom at? Uh, you know, my uncle tells me, you know, she's been declared legally dead. And at that time, I just, I lose my mind. Um, I go crazy. I hang up the phone, call him back. You know, he snaps at me. This isn't a game, nephew. You know, you need to get here. He's like, your mom, your mom has been declared legally dead. So I jet. Like, I leave my game. I let my boy Joseph them know. I let them know about everything. And it was, it was, it was tragic. Like, my mom basically, I watched her teeter on life support. To me, basically having to make the decision to pull the plug on my mother. No teenager wants to do that. It took my uncle basically telling me that my mom was in pain that she was hurting, that that she was uh, just in a whole lot of pain. And I'd be selfish if I was to keep her like that, basically a vegetable. You know, we all said our goodbyes, and it was just, after that, it was like a domino effect, you know. I started slacking in school a little bit, and my performance on the court went down some, but my dad had a long talk with me, and, you know, he told me, still keep doing what I'm doing. He has my back and everything. So I'm back at it. I'm still going hard. I'm going hard in classroom. You know, I take the ACT, get a 22 on my ACT, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting back in the classroom, bringing my GPA back up. So 2.9, it wasn't that high, but 2.9 was cool. <laughs> Um, two months go by. My dad dies. Yep. <laughs> Same thing. Um, I was headed to a visit. I was headed to my. I was headed to the airport for my official visit for Stanford. And you know it's a big deal. Stanford Ivy League school, great institution, great athletic program. And, you know, again, it's it's something major for me. Catch a train over here airport, get out the tunnel, uh, check my cell phone, 
and I had just got the cell phone for Christmas too. My dad had bought, uh, gave it to me like towards like the end of, almost close to the new year, he gave it to me. Uh, I had 10, 10 missed calls, like 13 text messages, i never forget. And, you know, 13, a lot of people think that's like a bad number. You know, some builders don't even have 13. Some some builders don't even have the number 13 labeled for floors or stuff like that. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Check my voicemails, my text messages, my sister, my stepmother, my stepbrother, all in one. Finally called a, called a house. My stepmother pick up, um, you know, where you at? Uh, are you by yourself? You know, things like that. So, and I'm just stuck. She's like, you need to come home as soon as you can. In the back of my head, I'm like, okay, maybe Pops is sick. You know, maybe he had another stroke or something like that. He should be cool. Nope. Uh, I asked my stepmother what's going on. She puts my sister on the phone. My sister was like, daddy died an hour ago. I couldn't even cry. I was just stuck. Super stuck. And it, from then, it was just one thing after another, you know. Um, <laughs> and I laugh at it now because I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, what happened to me. I wouldn't at all. Nobody deserves to go through that. They don't. And I went through it literally almost a month and a half, close to two months apart from losing my mom and then my dad. From that point, it was just chaos. I was getting in trouble, I was stealing stuff, I was fighting. Uh, It was just a lot going on. I was hurting a lot of people. But eventually you have to learn to adapt and you have to learn to overcome. Are you going to fold or are you going to play the hand that you dealt and hopefully something can change? But my story isn't a bad one. It's not at all. It's life. We all go through things. We all deal with certain situations differently. But I ended up on top and this is why I'm speaking on this medium now because I want everybody to know that your story isn't finished. Whatever you're dealing with now, whatever you're going through, it's going to pass. Just stay motivated. Whatever ambition you have, whatever drive you have, stick with it. And just keep putting in the work and understand that every day that you wake up and you're able to do for yourself and others is a day that you can make things happen. It's a day where you can achieve what you want to achieve and go wherever you want to go with your life. It's not going to happen that day. It's not going to happen that week, that month, that year. But as long as you know that you're putting in the work to take care of the business that you're supposed to take care of, that you need to take care of, that's all that matters. Because each step you take is going to get you closer and closer to your goals and what you're trying to achieve. Never settle. Never listen to hearsay. Don't ever let nobody tell you what you can or what you can't do. Keep positive people in your circle. 
and make sure that you spread that positive energy around. And you will see what life has going for you. At the time, when I was dealing with all this, I had so much hate in my heart. I even carried that hate with me. Even when some of the best things were happening to me, I still had that hate in the back of my mind, the back of my heart. I still had that hurt. I still had that pain. But when I put out part two and part three, you understand how that pain and that hurt went away. So I'm probably going to drop part two later on today. Because I know it's Saturday. You're probably all like, man, I ain't trying to listen to what you're talking about. But it's cool. So enjoy your weekend. Have a great, great day. And again, continue to be great. Stay healthy, stay hydrated, and stay pushing for greatness. It's your boy Be Easy, and I'm out. Peace.